0: You are listening to Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, with your host Randy Sutton. Hello, and uh, welcome to another episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement on the America Out Loud Network. I am your host, Randy Sutton, retired police lieutenant, author of A Cop's Life, and founder of the Wounded Blue, the national assistance and support organization for injured and disabled law enforcement officers. We got a lot to talk about this week. Let's take a walk into the briefing room where I'm going to give you my view from the blue. Once again, I have to call out the leadership of a couple police agencies. I am very questioning of some of the motivations of law enforcement leadership lately. Well, and not just law enforcement leadership, leadership of cities in reaction to the COVID virus and other uh, decision making that affects the people and the police first of all let's talk about San Francisco police chief you know San Francisco if first of all they elected this 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 ridiculous uh, uh, activist district attorney who basically despises law enforcement and so um, has waged war against these officers he is the son of two terrorists and murderers and he got elected on the premise of just not uh, prosecuting people so they have a police chief there and uh, I guess I guess when you're the chief of San Francisco Police uh, you're 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 working for a community that is just in a weird a weird place but he did something this week that I, I just I find really... Unconscionable. His name is a uh, Scott, Chief Scott, and the San Francisco police officers were responding to a uh, uh, a COVID event. Basically, the uh, uh, they they went to a, a protest. There was a protest, and they were assigned to the protest. Now there, there's a whole bunch of people all together. So these officers. Um, were wearing face masks as they as they should be. Uh, these are not face masks given to them by the San Francisco Police Department because the San Francisco Police Department doesn't give them face masks. So they got them on their own. It's what was on the face masks that drew the ire of the police chief. Uh, they were thin blue lined face masks. That is, it, it, it's... Uh, the thin blue line flag is an American flag that, is, that has blue stripes and a thin blue line through it. And, and the reason that, that the thin blue line flag came into existence was to show a support for uh, the sacrifice of law enforcement officers who've given their lives in the line of duty. It is, it is a symbol of respect. Well, the chief lost his mind. And uh, and and ordered the officers to take away and to get rid of those face masks. Um, see, the, the the masks were distributed throughout the San Francisco Police Department by the police union to help protect against the spread of the of the coronavirus. So, the uh, several activist groups went, you know, went put their little their little hissy fit. And complained that it, that the thin blue line flag was uh, was demeaning to the black community, which is nonsense, absolute nonsense. And uh, the, the the chief completely caved into the political pressure, and uh, and made comments about um, well, it, it's an affirmation of the principle of safety with respect for all. We will replace the personal protective equipment to which some community members have objected. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so some community members have objected. Who gives a good goddamn? Chief, show some guts for God's sake. Back up your officers. We see this all the time, and I, I find it, I find it, it. it's a humiliation of law enforcement when their leadership pisses backwards on them like this guy did. Uh, he should have had the guts to say, "This is a symbol of the of the sacrifice law enforcement officers are making." And you know what? The COVID virus has killed almost a hundred cops. They can't show their respect for their dead comrades. Well, that was a pretty uh, that was a pretty uh, cowardly move, if you ask me, uh, for the San Francisco police chief. But I guess. What 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 can I ask? What can I add to that? But uh, you know what? Why we're talking about that area, Oakland, Oakland Police Department, which is right next door to San Francisco, um, it has been it has been one of the one of the most screwed up leadership uh, police agencies in the country for years, years. Not just the the leadership, but the city government has been so um, heavy-handed and trying to control the the uh, police department um, with people who are complete utter idiots, politicians who don't know anything about policing controlling the cops. Now, they they they've had a uh, they had a police chief there up until very recently. and this police chief was fired. Uh, her name is uh, Ann Kirkpatrick, and she was doing a pretty good job there. Um, she, she took a, 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 a city police agency with a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble, and she was starting to get a handle on it. Well, guess what? The Oakland City Council decided, even though they, they said there was no cause, they just decided they didn't want her anymore. Of course, I wonder if it has something to do with the city councilman who tried to, uh, who who was, who got in some trouble and then tried to use the police department to get him out of that trouble. And the chief said, no, we're not getting involved in that. Do you think that might be it? Because they summarily fired this, this police chief for absolutely no reason. And if that, and now she's suing, as I hope, you know, and I think she's going to win. but now it's it, that isn't bad enough the political the political um issues there have now come to the uh, an out and out push for the city council to take over the police department the two oakland council members proposed giving full control of the police department to the city's police commission the these are a bunch of elected officials who don't know anything about policing nothing all they are is political interferers and now they they want them to to control the cops well the California Police Union the Oakland Police uh, union is is fighting against it so is the former chief as as well she should because it is their interference which took her job um The seven volunteer members of the Oakland Police Commission have the power to fire a police chief without cause, with the mayor's approval, the only U.S. police commission to have such power. That's exactly what happened to former police chief Ann Kirkpatrick, who is now living out of state but is not staying quiet about her opinions. So, as as the, the, the former chief said, this is a quote. Oakland is a debacle on their police commission. I certainly do not think the commission should have more power. I don't even think they should have the power that they have today. And that's exactly right. Um, The uh, Oakland City Council President, Rebecca Kaplan, North Oakland Council Member, Dan Cobb, are proposing the citizen volunteers be able to override any police operational decision. Can you imagine this group of idiots, these morons are going to be telling the line cops what they should do and how to do their jobs? It's outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. It, it is a power grab of the worst proportions. And when you talk about corruption, they have that power. I guarantee you that they will, they will do it They'll use it exactly as they want to for their own political purposes, just like he did with firing the police chief. It's there's no doubt in my mind it's going to be considered illegal when it goes to court, but they don't care because they're they're elected officials who uh, have their own social agendas and political agendas, and I guarantee you keeping the streets safe and, and having law enforcement, a strong law enforcement presence is not gonna be one of them. So here we go again. Uh, 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 this is literally a, an insurrection, if you will, where uh, this power grab uh, will, be, will be so detrimental for the, and, I, I mean, Oakland's already a sewer for God's sake, now they want to put the power of the police in, the, in, this, in this commission's hands? Oh, my God. That's absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Now, let's talk about some other, some, some other stuff that's in the news. Uh, store owners hit by mobs of shoplifters after the police department says they won't arrest thieves. Okay, now, here's, here's, the, here's the correlation to the last story there was a um, uh, a high-ranking Oakland commander named Danielle outlaw and she even though she she's never uh, shown any anything other than being promoted as far as competence in policing she was uh, then brought on as the chief of police in Portland Oregon by Ted wheeler now, uh, uh, to say that her time there was less than um, law enforcement uh, stellar would be would be a a laughable statement, really, because she all she did was prove that she was a lap dog to that lunatic mayor who named himself police commissioner. By the way, didn't allow the cops to do any policing. Um, was a complete incompetent. And what happened a few months ago? The Philadelphia Police Department, well, the Philadelphia um, City Commission, well, they, they brought her on as the Philadelphia Police Commissioner. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Danielle Outlaw, hired by the city of Philadelphia. Of course, they, they recently uh, elected a, another activist prosecutor, a guy named Krasner, who is another guy who doesn't want to prosecute anybody for anything. So the Philadelphia police commissioner's announcement that officers will no longer arrest offenders for quote, nonviolent crimes has emboldened thieving mobs who have been pillaging stores without fear of prosecution, according to business owners. Uh, Here's a quote. People are coming in the store. They're loading their bag and they're actually telling us the law. That they're not going to get locked up, said a store owner. Uh, This store owner was one of approximately 20 business owners who said they have been plagued by repeated mob shoplifting incidents, sometimes carried out by brazen mobs who storm into the stores and walk out with whatever they want. And who was was the decision maker on that beauty? Well, you heard it. You heard it. It was uh, Danielle Outlaw. Former chief of uh, Portland and then uh, late of Oakland. Another, by the way, the first, when she got elected, excuse me, hired, she's making almost 300000 bucks a year, right? Uh, her first order was to change the, the fingernail polish policy of the police department when she was found not to be in compliance. There's a leader for you. Yeah, well... That's about all the time we have here in the briefing room. Got a great guest waiting for you in the interview room. Okay, I got some big news for you guys. With an invite, that's right, I'm going to invite you to a party. Well, it's much more than a party, it's a celebration. It's a celebration of law enforcement unity and pride. This is going to be the biggest celebration for law enforcement officers and those who support them in America. And it's being put on by the Wounded Blue, the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers. And if you haven't figured it out, I happen to be the CEO and founder of that organization. But we're going to have a event like no other. It's going to be held in Las Vegas, October 17th of this year. By that time, I'm sure all this COVID insanity will be gone. And we are going to have a much-needed celebration. So, um, it's going to be dinner. It's going to be cocktail. It's going to be entertainment. It's going to be uh, an incredible silent auction and live auction. Uh, But it's going to be a whole lot more. There are going to be some huge fun surprises. But it's also going to be a celebration of the men and women of the law enforcement community. So um, I want you to go to Facebook right now. Go to the Brothers in Blue Bash. You can get tickets there. You can also buy a table for only eight hundred fifty dollars. That's a table for ten. So bring your buddies, bring your spouses, your girlfriends, both if you know if, if you can get away with it, and and come out to this event. Um, Brothers in Blue Bash, Las Vegas. It's on Facebook. We have our own Facebook page. And also looking for people who want to sponsor this. If you're a business that wants to have its name out there in front of thousands of American law enforcement officers and their families, showing that you support them, you want to contact me at randy@thewoundedblue.org. It's randy@thewoundedblue.org. The Brothers in Blue Bash, October 17th. If you love coffee as much as I love coffee, in fact, even if you don't love it as much as I do, but you like it, Law Dog Coffee Company is the newest and the greatest coffee company to come along in a long time. Now, all right, I admit I'm a little prejudiced because Law Dog Coffee is a major sponsor of the Wounded Blue. They actually donate 15% of their revenue to the Wounded Blue. And they are uh, a partner of, of the Wounded Blue in a lot of different ways. So this coffee company is uh, is law enforcement uh, based. It supports law enforcement, but most importantly, the coffee is amazing. I I love it. I mean, it's uh, it's rich. It's uh, uh, organically grown. It's ethically grown in uh, in Costa Rica. It is. Uh, Um, roasted by a family roasting company it's been in business for 90 years Uh, it's rich it is delicious and it gets delivered directly to your door so check it out lawdogcoffee.com tastes so good it ought to be illegal I want to talk to you about CBD cannabis products that are used for therapeutic purposes now um i didn't really understand about this product uh there are so many of them on the market and i i never really paid attention to it because i was always afraid of actually using it because you know as a cop for as many years as i was just the thought of using a cannabis product made me really nervous you know i expected okay so I'm, i gonna get high from this well there is a product out there called luxvite l-u-x-v-i-t-e and it is all kinds of different forms of CBD and I was very hesitant to try it, but a um, retired law enforcement officer from the NYPD uh, began a company that uh, distributes this product. And he came to me and he explained to me that he had done a lot of research and found a THC free p- product that um, that was that was amazing. So I, I got I gotta say that I, Figured well, what the hell? Let me let me try some of these things, and um, all I'm going to say is that I I utilized some of these products, and I was amazed at the results that I got. Uh, literally amazed, because th- this uh, uh, provider is former law enforcement, uh, retired law enforcement, I should say. He is offering uh, my listeners a, a discount on this product. And so, if you put in the code um, uh, Blue Lives, uh, you can get this product at a discounted rate as well. So this is this is pretty amazing stuff. Go to luxvitecbd.com, check it out, and put in the code Blue Lives, and uh, and get a discount at the same time. Give it a try. luxvitecbd.com
1: It's your news and entertainment
0: network, news blogs, informative podcasts, entertaining videos, or listen to 24-7 talk radio on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. We the people, AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Outloud Talk Radio. With me today in the interview room of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, is Diane Bernhardt. And this is a very special guest because she has some essential information for a law enforcement officers in this country. She is the executive director of a fantastic organization that every law enforcement officer knows, Concerns of Police Survivors. Now, uh, she is also a law enforcement professional herself. She did 23 years as a law enforcement officer, uh, retiring as a deputy chief with the Columbia, Missouri Police Department. Thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on to uh, Blue Labs Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, Diane.
1: Thanks, Randy. I'm glad to be here.
0: So we've got a lot to talk about, um, but you've got some essential information. One thing that has truly affected American law enforcement is the COVID virus. Uh, we've seen a tremendous amount of line of duty deaths and um, and officers being infected with this with this terrible disease and concerns of police survivors. Uh, why don't you explain a little bit about the mission for those that don't know what concerns of police survivors does, and then we'll get into um, how uh, officers need to protect themselves.
1: Absolutely. Um, Well, Concerns of Police Survivors has been around for about 36 years, Um, but we were organized to support the family members, and then later uh, we added on the co-workers of uh, our fallen heroes that die in the line of duty, and we do that in a number of different ways. You know, there's um, scholarships for uh, children and spouses. There's um, organizing of National Police Week uh, each May. There's a number of programs that we do to provide peer support for all of the spouses and parents and children. Um, like a kid's camp and things like that that we do uh, programming-wise. And Then we offer counseling, and um, we host a law enforcement conference on wellness. And um, uh, there's just, just a myriad of things that Concerns of Police Survivors has, has grown into from the small mom-and-pop organization it was when we were first formed.
0: You know, w- one thing that that is really critical that, that I, I want my audience to listen to is this. Um, from the moment a police officer falls in the line of duty, concerns of police survivors is there. And, um, you know, I've, I've dealt with your organization when, uh, when, when friends of mine have passed away and, um, uh, the respect level that, that I have for what your organization does is, uh, is, uh, I can't even, I can't even, uh, emphasize enough about how, how, um, much, um, how much your organization does for the American law enforcement officer? So, you know, with this with this COVID virus, how is this affecting? Um, how is this affecting your organization?
1: Yeah. So, um, one thing that I failed to mention on there was our chapters, and we have you know, 55 chapters are spread all over the country. We're a national organization, so. Um, when these officers and there's unfortunately so many of them that have have already died from the uh, COVID virus and unfortunately likely more that will, um, our chapters are, are are right there, able to respond and and assist that agency um, from sometimes as soon as uh, um, hours within hours of the death to weeks from the weeks following as they're trying to figure out memorials and and how to help these families. So uh, we've been tracking these um, the officer deaths since. Uh, very uh, early March. And uh, we're right now monitoring 106 officer deaths across the country from the COVID virus.
0: You know, Um, I I want to stop you there because this is an astounding number. Um, Last year, the total number of law enforcement line of duty deaths was, I believe 134, right about there. Yeah. And, And so this year, you know, we're talking about just from the COVID virus. Not not counting any of the other causes, over 100. That's astounding.
1: Yeah, it, it really is. And, and what happened is this, this pandemic hit the country a, a few months before National Police Week was supposed to be coming, which is just this following week upcoming. We would be in D.C. Um, honoring those officers from the, that died in 2019. Um, that would have been the plan for next week. And there was 185 officers that were going to be honored this year. Um, so those officers now will be honored in 2021 on top of, on top of all the fallen officers from uh, 2020, which we've already seen with, um, you know, our, our line of duty deaths that, that have happened across the country in addition to those COVID deaths that many of which will turn out to be line of duty death as well. Um, our National Police Week in 2021 is going to be like something we haven't seen um, since uh, perhaps 9-11, the, the police week after 9-11.
0: I'm making a prediction that this is going to be the deadliest year in law enforcement history. I have that, I have that sinking suspicion.
1: Boy, I sure hope that you're wrong, Randy, but the, the, uh, the numbers are, are seeming to point that way. And uh, obviously our organization is going to be there and we are going to support all those families. And we're, we're blessed to have the support of, of so many people that help us make that possible. Um, but yeah, it's a little bit overwhelming right now. And we when we look at, um, just the the process of after this uh, pandemic you know, starts slowing down and we can start really diving into each one of those cases and determining which ones of those uh, will be line of duty death or not. Um, that's going to be a process and going to take a little bit of time.
0: Without a doubt. Now, I, we need to talk about line of duty deaths because this is a topic that, um, that many even in law enforcement are unaware of, that there is a uh, Department of Justice program um, called the Public Safety Officer Benefit, and this is a one-time cash, well, why don't you, I mean, you're the expert in it, why don't you talk about it instead of me explaining it?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, there's a Public Safety Officer Benefit program that's out there for officers who are determined to have died in line of duty. And that uh, amount of, of benefit uh, is adjusted for cost of living um, every year, but it's somewhere to the t- tune of around $360,000. Um, so, when, when all these officers began dying from this COVID virus, of course, the natural question was will they qualify for benefits or not? And so, there were a lot of meetings that happened that we, we discussed that and, and talked about the fact that law enforcement officers. Um, while the rest of us, I now am a very non-essential person, I I was able to, for the most part, work remotely. So I didn't have to go out and have interaction with the public. But that wouldn't have been the case for me, you know, 10 years ago, I would have absolutely been out there just like our our law enforcement officers are today. They don't have the choice of staying home and socially distancing themselves or working remotely. And they don't know when they go on a call if that invisible threat is there, that that virus is there. So we had a, you know, it's a very scary situation for law enforcement. And uh, we had some um, calls uh, pretty early on with the uh, folks at the uh, Public Safety Officer Benefits Office and uh, with the Department of Justice. And they were b- very open to law enforcement's concerns about how would these be determined. And so they came out with a statement um, in uh, April that basically said, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the nutshell, the, the, in the nutshell of it, not the, the, all the legal words for it. Um, but it basically says that if an officer is performing um, a law enforcement act on duty and they come have an, an opportunity to come in uh, contact with the virus, whether a call for service, they may or may not know um, uh, if they've been exposed or not. Um, but if they go on a call for service and then within, you know, the incubation period of the disease, which is about 14 days, they come down with the virus. Um, in those cases, the Department of Justice is going to uh, weigh heavily on uh, including them to get that benefit. Uh, so that's really good news that they've been very proactive on identifying that up on the front end of this so we can answer those questions and help those agencies as they're struggling to figure out what to do. We're gonna help them and be there and helping them file for those benefits to make sure those families are taken care of.
0: That's really Im- important. This is, this is, this is uh, something that, that every law enforcement officer needs to be aware of. Um, now, there's, there's ways that, that officers need to document um, these issues. Uh, can you talk about that for a moment?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, if you've come down with the with the virus or believe that you have it, first follow all the advice of the medical professions, the first professionals. At first, you know, of course, we want you to be okay. That would be the most important thing. Is to realize that this virus is unpredictable, and while it does seem to be like the people who are older or have some sort of uh, underlying medical condition might be most at risk, uh, we're finding a lot of police officers that are young and healthy uh, are also on that list of our 106 officers that have died. So don't underestimate it. That would be the first thing I would say. And then second I would say is document your exposure. Most places have, uh, most agencies have CAD um, services that can document your calls for service that you've been on. Go ahead and print those and keep those. Give those to your loved ones. Um, go ahead and file a workman's comp claim if you come down with the virus just so it can be documented. Your exposure will be documented, and if we ever need to, to access that, we can access that. And then um, also document it through your, any of your agency's protocol. Let your, let your supervisor know you've been exposed and, and make sure that you document that and put it on file with your, um, with your agency as well.
0: You know, one of the things that, that um, has been an issue uh, from the start of this mess is every state is different when it comes down to covering their officers. When they, when they do become infected, um, there are plenty of jurisdictions that, uh, that don't recognize this as a workers' compensation injury um, and then they're, unless, unless they can specifically point to a particular uh, call or something where they, they know that they were exposed. Uh, but that's not generally the case. So we found um, nationally that there are a number of states that that simply are forcing these officers to go on their private insurance. How does that affect how does that affect the um, the public safety officer benefit if the department itself doesn't recognize this as a worker's compensation injury?
1: So those are the kind of cases that we'll be advocating for and trying to, trying to fix as we go through and sort this out. We, we all have to recognize this is a new thing that, that agencies are not prepared for. And they're not really sure when, when these officers are dying, they're not really sure how to, um, how to react to it. Um, they haven't had clear direction necessarily, although this, this statement by the um, Department of Justice that is coming out in April, that's going to help. So what I would suggest in those cases is to still document, even though if it's on your private insurance, we're still going to want to document that. And uh, those are ones that we, you know, those can always be after the fact. We can go back and try to, to recover some of um, some of those costs that are associated with that and uh, educate the agencies about what the Department of Justice is saying about um, these officers who are getting infected um, on duty. And hopefully since the national uh, Department of Justice has come out with a statement the uh state levels and the uh local agencies will follow suit that's
0: that's a big that's a big hopeful That's mm-hmm. a big hopeful thing yeah um so let's talk about about police week uh you know there's there's lots of folks that don't know what police week even is and you know this is a this, police week has been in effect for um what forty years fifty years
1: about thirty five years
0: 35 years. And it is a time when the law enforcement officers memorial, which is in Washington, D.C., reveals the names of the officers that are killed in the line of duty the year before. And it's a it's it's a very somber occasion, but it's also a a celebration of those lives. Um, You know, this is I think, you know, I I think about 40,000 cops Descend on Washington and their families uh, each year to, uh, you know, during that during that week. How is, you know, with the cancellation of it? How has that affected your organization?
1: Well, wow, it's been absolutely devastating. If you can imagine, all those uh, 2019 families had already been invited to uh, Washington D.C. One um, when thing: when the Police Week events that are public were canceled, and I just want to be clarifying that that Police Week isn't canceled. There's still uh, you know, still there'll be some memorial events that happen, but most of them will be virtual. It's obviously not going to be anywhere near um, the same. Um, but yeah, we'd already invited families, and uh, there's a lot of officers that, that and families that need that time in order to to get to know other survivors and and to work through their loss and and uh, go forward from there. So yeah, it was it was absolutely devastating to to survivors, and uh, we looked at that from our organization and said, what can we do? And uh, we just made the commitment that for 2021, we are going to make sure that all of those 2019 families and coworkers still get that—that that, uh, they still get their year in DC, even though it's going to be a really large year with a number of additional families and coworkers, and and it's going to be a police league like we've never seen before. Um, but it's still important that we make sure that every officer that dies in the line of duty in this country is honored uh, that same way. So we're we're committed to that.
0: I want to talk a little bit about the work that um, that your organization does, uh, every single day, you know, um, when, when a law enforcement officer is killed in the line of duty, it's a devastating, um, devastating traumatic event for the family and the family, um, it it, it can sometimes also include, you know, the, the, the coworkers of the officer. So, I'd like you, if you would, explain some of the programs that your organization has and and the methodologies used to, to support these families.
1: Absolutely. Well, it, it starts at uh, from very soon after the loss. A chapter will respond uh, to the agency and to the family, and we'll get to know that surviving family hopefully before um, they had that first trip to, to uh, Washington, D.C. for National Police Week. And then at National Police Week, we'll have events that are just for the surviving coworkers and family members of of those officers that we're honoring and the ones that are returning year after year. And what happens there is they realize that what they went through is absolutely devastating, but they're sitting next to other people that are in the same room that went through the exact same thing. Maybe the circumstances are slightly different, but the loss is very similar. And that's where the magic kind of starts happening. People start to connect. It's very much like peer support that that we have in our law enforcement agencies. When when you're around somebody else that's been through it, it normalizes the whole process and uh, they begin to feel slightly better. And then from there, we move right on into our programs that we have. And and those start in the summer And they go through the fall of every year and there's programs for every, every survivor type we will do programs for parents, for spouses, for siblings, for adult children, for coworkers, for coworkers where they can bring their spouses. And then for those uh, precious kids, you know, six to 14, those young kids, we start as young as six, six years old are bringing those kids together. And it's absolutely amazing to see that peer support works at age six as well as it works at age 46. It's, it's just amazing. Those two little kids will be walking next to each other at kids camp and they'll be talking about how their dad died and how it's normal to talk about that because they can't talk about that at school or anywhere else they're at. So we offer those opportunities to bring those survivors together and it really does create a national network of support for them that is unlike anything I've ever seen. I'm so incredibly proud to be a part of this organization that I'm, that I'm lucky enough to be a part of. And you
0: know, uh, it's you don't only you don't only um, concern yourselves with with the line of duty deaths. you You're also very much involved in officer wellness and improving the lives of officers. and uh, i was I was uh, fortunate enough to attend uh, a couple of the conferences that your organization holds. Uh, regarding this, and, and they are top quality stuff. If you would talk a little bit about those wellness conferences and, and the, uh, uh, the results that you've seen.
1: Absolutely. So we've done this training um, for about 15 years, maybe a little longer than that. I'm sorry if you hear the thunderstorm going on in the background here. (laughs) But we've been doing these uh, traumas and law enforcement training all over the country for a number of years. And what we found out when we were hosting these trainings where we primarily were talking about emotional survival for law enforcement and uh, line of duty death and police suicide is that we were having officers that were coming up to us and saying, we want more. We want more topics about wellness. And at that time, uh, which would have been about six years ago, there was really no other organization that was putting all kinds of topics surrounding wellness together in one place um, that officers could come to and basically be a resource for themselves and their spouses to hopefully manage getting through their entire career still happy and healthy and able to retire healthy. Um, so we started doing it in, um, in uh, Texas. And since then, we've, done, uh, we've done, completed five years of conferences. It's called the National Law Enforcement Conference on Wellness and Trauma and each year it grows, and we bring in about 35 different experts in the area of wellness and trauma, and uh, we let officers choose, you know, self-direct which sessions they want to go to. We try to bring in um, bring in some high-quality keynote speakers, and then we try to have a little fun, too, because nothing is more important uh, for law enforcement officers to remember is that they still need to have fun in their daily lives, and sometimes that can get so lost in the seriousness of their job, and so we try to make it not quite as serious as they would expect from a law enforcement conference.
0: Well, I I, I got to tell you, I was uh, I was very entertained by um, uh, the one of the, the the performers that actually showed up as a surprise performer. Um, the uh, guy that wrote "Eye of the Tiger" and performed it at at one of your events, and it was it was a I got to tell you, it was a crowd pleaser, no doubt about it.
1: It was fun, and we had, the year before that, we had a special guest, Jennifer Hudson, who actually surprised the crowd and showed up and sang a song, and it was absolutely beautiful, um, and we always try to do a fun night. We do a law enforcement appreciation night during that conference, and we bring, um, well, this year we had Mike the Cop in to MC the event. He's funny as always. He's always a, a great time, and and we just had a good time with that and brought in a band. And we, we just uh, also enjoyed the night where we mixed the seriousness with the fun. And that's kind of what COPS does. We're not really about the loss. We're about the rebuilding the lives and going forward.
0: When is the conference uh, scheduled for this year?
1: Uh, the conference is going to be November 6th through the 8th. And it's going to be in Oklahoma City, um, Oklahoma. And we did that in conjunction with the 25th anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing. Um, we wanted to... Um, kind of pay tribute uh, to where in this, at least in the state of Oklahoma where a lot of the peer support concepts were born. And that was directly after uh, that horrible tragedy that happened there. Um, so we're going to, uh, you know, one of the events we're going to have during our um, conferences, we're going to have a event touring that memorial site at the museum and um tribute to some of those heroes that were there that day.
0: And for my listeners, uh, if you have never visited the Oklahoma city, Museum, uh, a memorial for the victims of that of that horrendous attack. It is um, it's 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 very it's surreal. It is a it's a must see. Um, you, you feel the you feel the pain. You feel the the um, you know the effects of how that how that touched the lives of so many people. Um, and I was very fortunate when I when I was uh, visiting that. That actually, one of the people from Warriors Rest, which is probably the, one of the, the finest peer support training organizations uh, that exists in this country, um, one of the uh, one of the uh, principles of that, who was there at the at the bombing, uh, and how that affected him, uh, it was it was um, it it sent, it sent shivers up my spine. It really did. So, I mean, this is a, what a perfect place to have to have this conference this year. Uh, I know I'm looking forward to going in. And I think every law enforcement officer is uh, is invited to go to this, are they not?
1: They absolutely are. And their spouse or significant other is exp- invited to come as well. We have sessions just for them because being in a – being married to a, a law enforcement officer is not an easy gig. You know, some days it's harder than others, but, it, but it's definitely there's some support that can happen for those family members as well.
0: How does, uh, how does a, a law enforcement officer, uh, um, register for this?
1: Well, they can go to our website. It's concerns of police survivors.org. Um, and, uh, register right there. Um, you're welcome to always call the office if you have questions here and, um, We'd be happy to answer those questions as well. But the website is the best place to go and, and take a look. There'll be a little trailer on there so you can kind of see what to expect. And we've already uh, booked several of our keynote speakers, so we're pretty excited about that. We're going to be announcing them here shortly, and we, we hope to see everybody there.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, your chapters around the country, they're in every state. Uh, they're always in need of uh, additional volunteers, are they not?
1: Absolutely. And we're not quite in every state. Um, we have some states that we have multiple chapters in because unfortunately there's so much loss like Texas and California and Florida, we have multiple chapters in. Um, and some of our less populated states like North Dakota, South Dakota, such like that, we don't have chapters in, but um, there's certainly somebody that will respond even to those areas that are, are not very populated if there's a loss. Um, but yeah, they need help. And what they need help from is, is just if you have any, if you're a law enforcement officer and you want to Help out with a chapter if you reach out to them. I, I know that they would love to have volunteers to either come to a meeting or or bring your canine to their meeting, so they those survivors can still feel that connection to law enforcement. It's so important, and uh, the more connection that can happen when there's not a loss going on, the better the relationship will be. Should there ever be a loss um, in that area, so we highly recommend it.
0: What do you what do you see uh, foresee? Excuse me what do you foresee happening next year during, uh, during police week? Um, besides the, the avalanche of, of people that are going to be honored. Um, do you see any, any other ramifications?
1: Um, I think logistically for our organization, we're already now trying to, um, step up now for preparing for the numbers, you know, we're, We're going to have, you know, we normally book around 6,000 hotel room nights uh, for survivors across the country in D.C., and next year we're looking at somewhere around 11,000 likely hotel room nights that we're going to need. So there's some logistics, um, the busing and stuff is going to be, it's going to be a challenge, but you know, we're going to step up to that challenge and we're going to be just fine. But I just see it being an extremely reverent year because it's going to be a police week like we've never seen before with the with the numbers and with the the numbers of officers and and, um, and just the sheer amount of, of loss, but then the sheer amount of pride that police officers don't step down, they don't stay home, they don't socially distance, they respond to every 911 call, whether they know what that threat is going to be there or not. And there's some certain amount of pride that is 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 to be said for those those officers who respond and and they go to National Police Week and they can become so they become so proud of the profession they chose. It's it's like an experience you can't describe unless you've been there. Um, so I encourage any officer who's never been to National Police Week they ought to go at least once during their career.
0: Absolutely, I couldn't, I could not agree more. Um, how do how do people get involved to, with with helping concerns of police survivors?
1: Well, absolutely. If you want to go to our website and email us, you can uh, you can call our office. It's five seven three three four six four nine one one, and we would. Um, Absolutely, we look for volunteers during National Police Week. Um, We're located in Camdenton, Missouri, which is Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri. So our national office is not in D.C., which people would suspect that it was. Um, But it's not. We're right in the middle of the country so we can respond out from here. Um, But most of our need is on our chapter level. And then during um, National Police Week, we are going to need a ton of volunteers for 2021. So if you have any interest in that, please, please give us a call. We'll, We'll take down your name and phone number for sure.
0: And they do not have to be law enforcement in order to volunteer.
1: They do not No, if, if there's, there's a certain things that we'll do if, if they're going to be involved in our kids, program program that we have during uh, DC. So there would be background checks, things like that. Um, but we would, uh, we would take assistance in, and helping load buses and any, you, you name it, we're going to need help. So sure. we we'll take for anybody who supports law enforcement.
0: And if, if, if any of my listeners that are, that are listening to this broadcast now, if they are law enforcement survivors, uh, you know, if they're, they've had loved ones who served in law enforcement and passed away in, in the line of duty, um, and, and they have never been in contact with cops, how can they avail themselves of your programs?
1: Um, absolutely. If you just call our office and uh, we will we will get your name and, and email address and address and you will start getting uh, communication from the COPS National Office at least six times every year. Um, you'll get a magazine that talks about uh, the different survivor programs that we have and the, the just different things that are happening in the survivor world and then you'll get um, some follow-up and just invitations to a lot of cool events and uh, invitations to participate in counseling and scholarship programs and the vast majority of the survivors across the country are in our database, uh, but every once in a while there will be a few that, that somehow either didn't get involved early on in their loss um, or for some other reason have, have not uh, got associated with COPS. So if, you don't, if you're not receiving stuff from COPS already, then I suggest that you call or email and we will, we will absolutely get you hooked up.
0: And that includes the surviving partners and co-workers of, uh, of these officers as well.
1: Absolutely. That was something we started adding about 10 years ago as support for coworkers, which is what I am. I'm a surviving coworker of an officer who was killed in 2005. And um, when you lose a coworker, it's a, it's a life altering experience. And we treat it as that. It, it really absolutely is. And uh, through COPS, you can meet other coworkers who have been through something similar. And uh, we have a retreat just for you. And it's all law enforcement. Everybody that's there, even our counselors, are, are from the law enforcement world. And uh, we do a lot of uh, um, peer support at those retreats, but we also do a lot of fun things. And uh, you'll do everything from shoot guns to climb towers to fish to you name it, because we always, we always put the fun um, back in it. That's what COPS is all about. So you'll laugh a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's for sure. You know, um, we're, we're coming to the close of our time, uh, but I, I want to personally thank you as uh for the work that you do diane your organization has touched the lives of tens of thousands of people and uh, the work you do is amazing thanks for for being on blue lives radio the voice of american law enforcement i really appreciate it
1: thank you randy appreciate you
0: there's something very important i want you to do for me If you've been listening to The Voice of American Law Enforcement for any time, you know that we are very dedicated to the law enforcement community here. I would like you to go to a website. It's www.thewoundedblue.org. I want you to read about how we at this organization are aiding injured and disabled law enforcement officers. If you are a law enforcement officer, and you have been injured or disabled, and you feel forgotten and alone, this is why we exist. We have a fully trained peer support team, all made of police officers who have been shot, stabbed, beaten, run over, screwed up, and screwed up. They know what you're going through, and we exist for you. You are the part of the Blue family, and you deserve to be treated with respect and dignity. Unfortunately, many Police agencies and cities do not treat their officers with respect and dignity when they are injured, either physically or emotionally. So go to thewoundedblue.org. If you are a citizen and you want to help, please check out how you can join The Wounded Blue. And if you're a police officer or have been, exist for you. So check out thewoundedblue.org. Now, I would also urge you to see our film it is on Amazon, it is on iTunes, it's the Microsoft store, it's pretty much every platform you can imagine. It's called the Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. You would be shocked at how the men and women of this, you know, the law enforcement community in this country, many are being treated with such disrespect. Many people, most people, even cops believe that if you are severely injured in the line of duty, you're gonna be taken care of financially and emotionally. In many cases, that is not true. Please watch the film. And help the wounded bird. End of Watch with Randy Sutton. Each week here on Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, we pay our respects to the men and women of the profession who have made the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives in the line of duty. I have a number of names to read again this week. First is Lieutenant Glenn Dale Hutto, Jr. of the Baton Rouge Police Department in Louisiana. Lieutenant Glenn Hutto was shot and killed as he and other officers attempted to locate a murder suspect at a home in the 3150 block of Conrad Drive at about 12.30 p.m. The subject had been involved in a domestic violence-related homicide at a home six miles away, three hours earlier. Officers received a tip that the suspect was hiding in a home on Conrad Drive. Lieutenant Hudo and other officers responded to the home to contact the subject. As Lieutenant Hudo and a second officer positioned themselves in the backyard prior to making contact, the man opened fire on them with a semi-automatic rifle, striking both officers. The man then shot Lieutenant Hudo several more times at close range as he lay on the ground. Lieutenant Hudo succumbed to his wounds at the scene. The second officer was gravely wounded and transported to a local hospital. The man retreated into the home where he remained barricaded for four hours before surrendering. He was charged with capital murder. He had previously made statements to a relative that he would ambush Baton Rouge officers in an attempt to mimic the subject who ambushed and murdered Corporal Montrell Jackson, Police Officer Matthew Gerald, Deputy Sheriff Garofola, Lieutenant uh, Hudo had served with the Baton Rouge Police Department for 21 years and had served in law enforcement for 24. Lieutenant Glenn Dale Hutto, Jr., Baton Rouge Police Department, Louisiana. End of watch, Saturday, April 26, 2020. Next is Patrolman Gary Walker of the Bloomingdale Police Department in New Jersey. Patrolman Gary Walker died as a result of contracting COVID-19 while on duty. Patrolman Walker had served with the Bloomingdale Police Department for 20 years. He is survived by his wife and one child. In early 2020, thousands of law enforcement officers and other first responders throughout the country contracted COVID-19 during the worldwide epidemic due to requirements of their job. Many of these first responders died as a result. Patrolman Gary Walker, Bloomingdale Police Department, New Jersey. End of Watch Friday, April 24th, 2020. Police Officer Jason Knox of the Houston Police Department in Texas. Police Officer Jason Knox was killed in a helicopter crash in the 17050 block of Imperial Valley Drive at about 2 a.m. He was aboard the MD-369E helicopter as the tactical flight officer. Helicopter had been requested to search the nearby Greens Bayou after police had received unconfirmed reports that two bodies were in the area. The helicopter experienced an issue during the search and crashed into an apartment complex clubhouse. Responding fire department units extricated Officer Knox and the pilot from the wreckage. Officer Knox suffered fatal injuries in the crash and the pilot suffered severe injuries. Officer Knox has served with the Houston Police Department for eight years. He is survived by his wife, two children, and his parents. Police Officer Jason Knox, Houston Police Department, Texas. End of Watch Saturday, May 2, 2020. The next is police officer Michael Mosher of the Overland Park Police Department in Kansas. Police officer Mike Mosher was shot and killed while attempting to arrest a hit-and-run suspect. Officer Mosher was off duty, but in his uniform while en route to work when he witnessed the hit-and-run at West 143rd and Antioch Road. He called dispatchers as he followed the vehicle until it stopped near the intersection of West 23rd Street and McKay Street. The driver confronted Officer Mosher with a firearm, leading to a shootout. Officer Mosher and the subject were both killed in the shooting. Officer Mosher had served with the Overland Park Police Department for 14 and a half years. He has survived by his wife. Police Officer Michael S. Mosher, Overland Police Department, Kansas. End of Watch, Sunday, May 3, 2020. Agent Miguel Martinez-Ortiz of the Puerto Rico Police Department, Puerto Rico. Agent Miguel Martinez-Ortiz died after contracting COVID-19 while on duty. Agent Martinez-Ortiz had served with the Puerto Rico Police Department for 28 years and was assigned to a Federal Homeland Security Investigations Task Force. Agent Miguel Martinez-Ortiz, Puerto Rico Police, Puerto Rico, end of watch Friday, April 24, 2020. Each of these law enforcement officers made the ultimate sacrifice the communities that they serve. May they rest in peace. I'm very proud to announce a major accomplishment. Um, It is our television series, The Voices of the Blue. Voices of the Blue is a YouTube television series. It has six episodes. Uh, It is is, uh, written and directed by Mr. Jason Harney, a retired sergeant from Metro Police Las Vegas, who is an award-winning filmmaker. He was the uh, director and writer of our documentary film called The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. And now we have our own television series. It is a a powerful, powerful series. It it features stories by law enforcement officers uh, and experts in the field of post-traumatic stress. Um, Many of these officers have been seriously injured in the line of duty. Uh, and, and talk very powerfully about their experiences. Um, this, is some, this is a must-see for law enforcement and their families. But also, if, if you are just simply a supporter of law enforcement and want to know more about what they face, you don't want to miss this series. It's free. All you got to do is go to YouTube and, and subscribe to Wounded Blue TV. That's Wounded Blue TV on YouTube. It uh, is going to air, the first episode is going to air on Friday, May 1st. And then uh, another uh, part of the series will drop every two weeks. So go to YouTube, put in Wounded Blue TV, subscribe, and watch this series. You won't be sorry. Trust me on this one. I'm Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement on the America Out Loud Network.